when you have um, a decision like like your family has and a decision like um, Jordan has later in, in the podcast, um, if people don't come back, if, you know, even if there is on-campus learning and only 60% of the campus comes back, how do, can, how do colleges deal with that budget shortfall and, uh, and, and all the other things that go along with it? I, I just don't think anybody knows what they're going to do or what the future holds, and it's really scary for people. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big things that uh, has not happened yet, uh, as at least as of the time you and I are talking, um, but it's going to have to happen between now and September 1 or so, is a lot of these uh, schools that have yet to declare or, or yet to make a statement about what their fall sports look like are schools that really can't afford to lose an incoming class, can't afford to lose, you know, uh, a significant chunk of their fall student athletes, even just for the semester. Um, you know, not to name specific names, but I think people who follow Division Three closely, or you know, if you just look at the enrollment numbers at a bunch of schools, um, you can kind of do the the math and figure out who might be on that list yourself. I mean, these are schools that, without the football team in the fall, may not open in the fall or at the very least may not open in the spring of, uh, of 2021. And what's interesting about that is the same argument for opening those colleges is the, is the opposite argument for why D3 is not really pushing, I think quite as hard as the revenue generating football programs were pushing to have football this fall. It, as we saw with a, with a number of schools, know um deciding not to play and making announcements ahead of of a, a, an official nta announcement it was easy for those kind of announcements or easier i should say um for those kind of things to to cascade uh, across conferences in the country because they weren't leaving what they think would be um thousands or millions of dollars on the table and and um, when you take that big part out of the equation, you can focus strictly on what's the best thing for the safety of of these players, even though I think it's going to throw their lives into a, into quite a bit of upheaval. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. You've tuned into the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Two guys and occasional guests talking about the news in NCAA Division Three football. I'd say that's the largest division with the smallest schools. It's also probably the first one that's going to pull out fully out of the 2020 fall season. And I'm Pat Coleman, the guy in charge of D3Football.com. My co-host, Keith McMillan, has been involved with all of this on the website since 1999. And this is where Keith tells us more about that. Well, I might have the frame of a D3 defensive end these days instead of a former D3 defensive back. But my co-hosting mind is sharp as ever. That's my story. And I am sticking to it. Dude, I am on my way back down from defensive tackle through defensive end at linebacker maybe for the moment and still hoping to get back down to wide receiver here before the end of the summer. I thought you were going to go kicker, but you know whatever works for you is uh is the you know part of the journey we're all on. Sometimes you <laughs> you spend so much time working and, and being a dad or or whatever else is uh is part of your your daily and weekly monthly makeup and you and you forget to to uh eat super healthy and run and exercise and all that and uh and then at some point you get to a number on the scale and you're like you know what 
probably time to, uh, to, to tighten it up. At a point now where, you know, basically everybody might well be working out and not having a lot of games here in the fall. Who knows if we're going to have games in the spring. We're going to talk about that in the course of this podcast. If you are listening to this podcast, you know, not on the day it comes out. Um, can't guarantee how long it's going to be the current and most up-to-date information. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we're in the middle of what, or at the beginning, I guess, or in the middle of what could be the longest offseason ever. Uh, on Tuesday, the day we're recording this and the day before it drops, uh, the NCAA Division Three Management Council announced a number of things. One was that uh, sports programs could use their 19 or so weeks of contact with student-athletes at any point, either in the fall or the spring, and they could break them up into days and, and not just uh, 19 weeks. So that opens up the possibility for uh, spring football next year. But, uh, of course, the other part was that they recommended canceling the fall championships in Division Three for 2020. I should say that you know the management council doesn't have the final say on this sort of thing, but generally what that group recommends is what eventually gets put into play. And that final announcement could happen as soon as this Friday, July 24th. So spring football, you know, we'll ask our guests about that in this podcast, whether they would be interested, whether it will be possible or feasible or whatever, let alone what the health implications might be for someone playing a nearly full season of football in spring of 2021, taking, you know, 15 weeks off and then doing it again in the fall. Uh, we live in interesting times, and that is the curse that we were always promised. Yeah, man. I mean, can your grill even take that many weeks of tailgating in, in that short a span? Because you're, you're going to tailgate in the spring, you're going to use it all summer, and then do it again in the fall. But Dad, come on, you're going to fall on the barbecue. Everything we know uh, has uh, has changed. And you know, I don't know if I have anything terribly profound to say at this point except this. You and I have been at this since the late 90s, and there there was a time where we couldn't imagine a Division Three world without John Gallardi and Larry Karras or a Purple Power as reigning champion or Stag Bowls in Salem or, or Wesley being Wesley and St. Thomas being in the Mayak and, and, or, or in D3 even. You know, and, and as unimaginable as all those changes have seemed, we definitely did not foresee a season with no games. You know, in September 2001, we had a Saturday with a bunch of canceled games, but this, to be here for it, uh, assuming there ever is such thing as normal after this, We'll, uh, we'll look back on 2020 with a mix of, of disdain and awe, I'd be willing to bet. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of asterisks. Uh, you know, obviously we still don't know. Not, a, not all of these things are final, right? As of the point we're recording this, only, you know, maybe not quite half of NCAA Division three schools have uh, pulled out of fall sports or pulled out of uh, football specifically. A bunch of conferences uh, announced that they were going to do limited schedules. And then one of them, even here the day that we're uh, recording this podcast, the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, which had said, yeah, we'll do a limited schedule. We'll start in mid-September. said, no, you know what? We're not going to do it at all. I suspect you will see more and more and more of that as things go on here over the course of the next few days. And, uh, you know, we've been tweeting about it uh, pretty much uh, almost every single individual school for a while until it got uh, too repetitive uh, to just uh, tweet the next thing over and over. You can see the list. Uh, you can find a link to it on d3football.com. It will continue to be updated and we'll keep you apprised. But uh, yeah, this is what uh, football is looking like right now. 
It might well be in the spring. It might well be in the fall of 2021. We'll continue to do these podcasts on a monthly basis and interview people. And, you know, if if games get played, maybe we'll do them more often. But that's kind of where we stand right now. You know, Keith, since the last time we talked, of course, this is a a piece of news that uh, very well got buried by everything that followed it. But the uh, NCAA Division III Committee on Infractions and the Appeals Committee reconsidered or heard the appeal from Mary Harden Baylor and said, no, we are definitely stripping you of the uh, 2016 national title. Uh, again, you know, appeals very rarely get overturned, and maybe this is the best time for something like that to happen because we've got many other things to talk about, but I, I figured we couldn't go further without actually referencing the fact that now there is no 2016 Division Three football champ. Yeah, and, and I know you had to update the, the playoff records page on d3football.com with a vacated but you know i personally couldn't care less about this or or maybe i could care a little bit less but not much um i just think it's so hard to rewrite history like we watch the game happen we know who won um there's bit we i i think the talk at the time was that it, it was a significant player who received this benefit i think in most people's minds it was a fairly insignificant benefit and didn't um, have a whole lot of, of effect on, you know, what happened on the field in, in Belton, in the, the Mount Union game and the, and, and in Salem in the, in the Oshkosh game. But uh, for Mary Harden Baylor, I think the one thing they can, they can hang their hat on is that they did come back uh, two years later, won a national championship again, that time in Texas in front of uh, home fans. And um, they can, they, they don't have to go, through their field and take down uh, the words national champion. They may have to get creative and, and where it said 2016 and 18, just, just take the years off and, and say national champion or something like that. But um, I, I don't have a whole lot of, um, it's just always weird to me to rewrite history. And I know there are rules and you have to enforce them, but it's like a, at a certain point, and this is how I always felt about deflate gate. It's like once, once the Patriots played the Super Bowl the next week, there was no punishment that they could administer after that that would take away the fact that they just won the Super Bowl. So same thing here. I think Mary Harden Baylor, the players who played on the field will always have that memory, regardless of whether we have to update our page and Mary Harden Baylor has to take down signage that says 2016 national champions. I think that uh, the Mary Harden Baylor fans who listen to this podcast are already saying over the course of the last minute or so that they did not have the 2016 up this season anyway, just uh, just in case. I think we did hear that and we did see that. One other thing that's happened uh, fairly recently or is in the middle of happening, apparently, reports uh, earlier this week that, uh, you know, the name Jeff Jagodzinski, right? That's a guy who has been a, a fairly high-level coach in other levels of uh, college and uh, and professional football gigs, maybe coming back to UW Whitewater is a guy who is a Whitewater grad and uh, you know got his coaching start there. People were talking about in uh, you know 2015, I guess when uh, when Lance Leipold left at uh, you know pie in the sky. Hey, maybe we could get this guy to come back and coach at Whitewater as the head coach. And now apparently coming back as a, as an assistant on offense. That is if there is. Uh, if there weren't anything else going on, 
in this part of July of 2020, that could be like the bombshell story right now. Well, imagine too, because uh, Kevin Bullis is a defensive guy by nature and has it. They had a Whitewater had a quarterback emerge throughout the playoffs last season in, in Max Myler. And, and the offense, I think, was not um, in the best possible shape it could be in the in the national championship game. Certainly ran into a buzzsaw with uh, with North Central. Uh, you know, the way they were playing, I don't know that anybody would have beaten them uh, in, in the Stag Bowl at that point. But um, but it could re- it would be a really exciting thing to talk about, especially against this backdrop of Division Three, where uh, North Central has a bunch of its stars back on offense, but doesn't have the quarterback in Brock Rutter. You've got Wheaton making some changes at, at the top with the new coaching staff. Um, Mount Union, three-year quarterback, graduated. Um, some of the other top programs, St. John's, same thing. Jackson Erdman is gone, and so there would. The, would actually, if we were talking football, if we thought there would be a 2020 season, it would be a really exciting time to talk about the top 10 uh, and then to talk about individual conferences, too, because there are always ones that are that are really competitive at the top and and schools that emerged last year. Are they one year one year wonders or, or are they going to be able to keep it up and, and that thing? So um, it's going to be weird, I think, even weirder for you and I. Um, and for the people listening, the, the people who plan their Septembers and Octobers and Novembers around being certain places on certain weekends, that's when it's going to get really weird. But it's certainly weird now to, to hear these kind of major storylines um, and, and to not really even know what it means. I mean, uh, J- Jeff Jagodzinski coming back to Whitewater after having been the Packers offensive coordinator under uh, Mike Sherman and Mike McCarthy, uh, having worked with Brett Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, um, you yeah. bring that kind of expertise back to campus would be would be a pretty big deal. And uh, he would have a transfer quarterback to work with in 2021. Evan Lewandowski, you know, he played for UW Lacrosse last year. We've mentioned his name a couple times on this podcast. And then he announced he was transferring to the University of Maryland. And then Maryland got some other guys in to onto the roster. And uh, I think, uh, you know, a little bit higher on the depth chart than this guy transferring from Division Three. Now he's going to transfer to UW Whitewater. So he has to sit out a year because of WIAC transfer rules. And who knows how that will even go down if there's not a 2020 season. That is a story we can push down for another few months, though, because we have uh, a podcast here to bring you we have uh, our three interviews here in this particular podcast. We'll start with Casey Goff. He is the head coach at the College of New Jersey. TCNJ, uh, as an institution, was one of the first schools to come out and publicly say at the end of June that they were not going to be uh, sponsoring fall sports. We'll talk to him about that. This is a guy who, as a head coach, has had uh, about a month to get adjusted to some of the things that coaches right now are dealing with or will be dealing dealing with over the course of the next couple of weeks, where we can hear how that process has been for someone who's been through it a little bit longer. Uh, then we're going to talk with Jordan Gunter. Jordan Gunter plays wide receiver for center. He also plays outfield for the center baseball team. When you're thinking about if there's going to be spring football, then some of these guys who play multiple sports, and there are still those guys in Division Three. Uh, those are people who are going to have to make a decision, and he talks with us about what that decision might be, what he's doing in the fall, 
and uh, those sorts of things. And then we'll wrap it up with an interview with Norm Esch. He's the head coach at Illinois Wesleyan. We chose Coach Esch because the CCIW uh, had not, and still as of this moment, has not made an announcement of any kind about fall sports. So we want to talk to him about what's it like being in that position and Either is it waiting for the inevitable or hoping for something positive to happen. So we'll find out more about all of that coming up in just a minute. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, joined by Casey Goff, the head coach at TCNJ. Uh, at TCNJ, one of the first schools that uh, announced that it was calling off the uh, fall 2020 season. First of all, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to come and, and talk about this. Secondly, you know, I guess just my condolences on the on the loss of a football season. Pat, first of all, uh, thank you so much for, for having me. Um, yeah, this hasn't been a, I don't think this has been an easy situation for anyone. Um, you know, the past three months have been <laughs> extremely trying on, on, on us as a nation, not just, you know, not just us as a, as a, as an institution or a football program. So it, it's, you know, it, it'll be the first time I haven't been involved with football in a fall since I was five years old. You know, that's, wow. that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, we're all still trying to wrap our heads around that, but, uh, you know, as they say, it is what it is. So we've got to move forward and, and prepare as best we can. And so you guys have known for almost a month, but at, I would have to think that coming up to, up to that has got to be, you know, just, uh, you know, real nerve wracking. It's something that you as a football coach, you're in charge of your program, but you're not anywhere near in charge of the levels at which these decisions are made, which are well over any of our heads. Correct. And I mean, we, you know, I think we were preparing for the best case scenario. Um, you know, I think, you know, it was our responsibility to make sure that our kids were, were getting themselves prepared for a season. Um, you know, so we were, we were staying in regular contact. We were making sure that our kids were doing the things they needed to do. So if we did have that opportunity to show up in August, they were going to be, they were going to be as ready as they could be. Um, you know, so I think that was all we could do for that, you know, that, that three month span or however long it's been, um, was remain optimistic. Um, and that's what we continued to preach to our kids was just stay optimistic because it wasn't, it wasn't going to do any good to be pessimistic about anything. I mean, that's, that's all we're seeing right now is, is pessimism. So, you know, just trying to stay optimistic as a staff and optimistic as, as a program and, and keep our kids heads in the right places, you know, that, I think that was, was priority one for us and just make sure they were focused on the right things, you know, which first of all was finishing up the semester the right way under a certain, you know, a, a set of circumstances that, that nobody was prepared for. Um, but I think our, our school did a tremendous job. Um, and I think our kids did an outstanding job in terms of handling that adversity. But, um, you know, it was, it, it was, to say things were nerve wracking is an understatement as you're, as you're kind of leading into, you know, getting closer and closer to August and just wondering what is, what is going to happen. But, you know, I'm definitely appreciative to our institution for making the decision when they did and not, you know, not necessarily waiting on this thing. You know, we have a, a tremendous resocialization plan in place and, 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 
Um, you know, the priority is, is making sure that our 7,000 students and our hundreds of faculty and staff are safe um, and that we can get through a semester. You know, it's bigger than just, it's bigger than just a football season, a, 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 you know, a field hockey season. It's bigger than that. It's making sure that, that we're stable as an institution and that our student bodies in a, in a good position to, to finish out 2020. I think the last thing anybody wants is, you know, you don't have a good plan in place. You rush it. You try to get everybody in their beds. And, and next thing you know, you have to shut down your campus mid semester. Nobody wants that. Yeah. You know, and, and right. I think we've, we've done, we've done it the right way. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that you were thankful that uh, your that TCNJ made the decision when they did at the moment. And we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon by the time <laughs> it hits, who knows uh, if any of this will have changed by then, but so far the only school in uh, the New Jersey athletic conference that has done so presumably there will probably be some sort of conference wide decision that will be announced. And with our timing, it'll probably be somewhere between now and then, but you know, what, uh, you know, what kind of reaction have you heard? Did you hear from other schools at the time? And has that kind of changed as things have gone, you know, the way they have over the past couple of weeks? You know, it was almost, <laughs> it was almost like you, you went through a loss, um, you know, in terms of a, a family member, <laughs> it was, everybody was very, um, very compassionate about it. Very, um, uh, you know, just concerned for, for how we were feeling. Um, concern for our kids. Yeah. Um, you know, people were just, but I also think a big part of that was, it was kind of that, Oh, Oh crap moment. in a lot of coaches heads, like this is going to start, um, you know, schools are going to start making these decisions, but, but honestly, it was a lot of people offering their condolences, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which, which was appropriate in a lot of ways because, you know, you, you're as passionate about the game as, as our players are. And as we are as coaches, it's, you know, you feel like you had a part of you ripped, ripped away. Yeah. And it's, it's no one's, it's no one's fault. It's the, it's the harsh reality of what's going on right now. So, so tough decisions have to be made. Um, you know, the plus side is we, we knew, we knew how our kids would handle it. You know, obviously there was a lot of disappointment. There was a lot of disappointment from us as coaches, but our kids are really smart kids and, and they've got good perspective on things. So, yeah. You know, a lot of it has been, hey, okay, what's going to be the next step? What do, what do we do? A lot of the seniors, hey, how do we get this year back? What what can we what right. can we do? Um, you know, there's a lot of optimism around our program right now. So that was one of the biggest. That was one of the hardest punches was the work that we have put in over the last, you know, three years. Right. Um, in terms of our roster, in terms of of just where we we feel we've started to take this thing, and then to have this season gone, it was tough. Um, but, uh, you know, just a lot of support from around the conference and, and from around from around the country. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of it was also like coaches are starting to come with grips with the, with the fact that, OK, this is this is real. Um, yeah. This is going to be a hard situation. Yeah, I still feel like they're finding out something new about this this situation every day. Um, and, and that's that's hard for us as Americans. You know, we, we want information. We want we want to know the facts. We want it now. Um, but we've got to chill out. <laughs> we've got to let the experts do their job and, and, and make sure we're just keeping people safe right now. So what are the kind of things that you are, if anything, like allowed to do with student athletes this fall, you know, in accordance with the campus plan? Uh, how do you intend to keep in communication with them? How do you intend to, you know, just kind of keep them engaged in TCNJ football? Right now, a lot of, you know, we're, we're taking advantage of technology. 
Um, I think, I think everybody's, you know, one of the pluses is everybody figuring out that we can utilize technology to, to maybe not be in the office um, 16 hours a day and, and be able to <laughs> spend time with our families, but still be able to communicate with our players. Yeah. Um, so I think it's been eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, once, once we get on campus, we're still working out those details. Um, you know, I think we're going to be, be really particular about how we handle this. We're going to, we're going to stick to the guidelines that the NCAA is putting out there. Um, we're going to take a look at what the state is putting out there. And, and we've been a state that's been very, very conservative in terms of, of, of getting back up and running, but we've also, we've seen a, a, a drastic drop in our numbers of cases. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's working. So we're going to be cautious. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to tell you, we're going to do everything that they allow us to do. You know, we're going to, I don't, I can say we're going to push the envelope, but we're going to make sure that we're engaging with our guys as much as possibly allowed. Um, and it's going to be an interesting thing, Pat, because, you know, we're in this flex fall where a lot of our kids are going to have the option to be online if they want to. Um, our classes are going to be a combination of in-class and online. A lot of that dependent upon the professors. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at with the incoming freshmen, only one, one, one kid per dorm or dorm room. I'm sorry, not, not per dorm. Right. Oh, so our kids are kind of going to be all over the place. There's going to be a lot of, of things that we're going to have to do as a staff in terms of putting our kids in the proper groups, um, thinking about where they are. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of moving parts for us as a coaching staff, but that's, that's our job, you know, to make sure that we're accommodating our kids and especially in a situation like this. So the plan is still being worked on. I mean, I don't think there's any rush. Why would we, you know, we want to make sure that that safety is priority one. So although we have been, we've kind of had this decision, we are not in a rush to say, Hey, this is how it's going to be when our kids back get back in the end of August. I mean, we've got, we've got time to make sure we're doing everything the right way. A lot of people have come out lately and asked and talked about, can we do this in the spring? And I know the NJAC hasn't come out and said anything yet, again, as of the time we're recording this, uh, as to what you know the plans are going forward. But just knowing TCNJ, where there are a bunch of fall sports that uh, you know are nationally prominent, nationally known soccer program, nationally known field hockey, and then in the spring, a nationally known lacrosse program or two, uh, tennis programs, that sort of thing. Is there a possibility that spring football works at TCNJ? You know, it would take a lot of hard work, and I think it would take a lot of people going above and beyond what, what they normally do. Um, I'm going to be honest, I would love it. You know, even if it was – God, I would, I would take two games, you know, but not at the expense of spring sports. You know, I wouldn't – those, those guys lost the season, right. you know, and, and, and I think if, if we were to look at something like that, I think across the board as, as – uh, you know, NCAA Division Three as a whole. I think you've you've got to be, we've got to be conscious and we've got to be responsible of, of of what spring sports have already gone through. Um, and they they deserve the full attention. They deserve to make sure that they have their seasons. Um, with that being said, I think it's something that that could be done. It would take a it would take a lot of hard work, you know. But I think we've got I think we've got a lot of people that would be willing to to dive in and get that done. I mean, I could just imagine sharing, you know, you think about coach Fluger, 
she's she's heading up our our field hockey team and our women's lacrosse team and she's i mean god she's got 20 national championships between the two sports it's yeah. insane but you know that's a lot on on her and 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 her assistant robin you know and, and on top of everything that it would do to our athletic training staff everything right. that it would do to through our administration. So, I mean, I think that's a component a lot of fans need to need to kind of think about. Um, and I don't think they do, you know, you just think, Hey, let's, let's go play in the, in the spring. And there's a lot, there's a lot of things involved. Um, is it doable? I, I think so. But, but again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it at the expense of, of anything short of, of exactly what the spring sports need. Um, you know, hey, listen, I've always said, now the football traditionalists will never go for this. I've always thought we should flip the seasons anyway. I mean, think about the Northeast. We're playing football on 20 pounds of pads, and it's 97 degrees for, you know, 95% of our season, and baseball can't even get out on the field until April because they're starting the season. It's 30 degrees. Right. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's a that's a different – that's a completely different discussion, but that's all I keep thinking about when they – when they talk about potentially making a switch. Well, we might have months and months and months to have those discussions, but uh, maybe we'll come back to those later. Um, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned if you just get in two games, so that would be Rowan and Montclair, right? Those would be the two. Yeah. <laughs> I want Wesley. Come on. We'll see. We'll see. You know, I think, I think obviously our, uh, our, our fan base and our alumni would love to see if, if it was only a two game season, obviously those would be the two teams they want to see us play. Um, but, but Hey, I would take, I would take anything, you know, at this point, but we also understand like, listen, that that's, that's far reaching. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a position where we're just, we're preparing for fall of 2021. Um, and going to do everything, take advantage of this, of this, this time right now to make sure that we're fully prepared for next August. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of where our, our mindset has to be. If anything changes, then we'll, we'll adjust. That's our, that's our jobs to be adaptable. Um, especially in this climate, we've got to be ready to, to switch things up as quick as we can and, and have zero excuses and, and make sure we're doing the right things for our, for our players. Keith, Coach Goff on the record from the get-go saying that the College of New Jersey is doing the right thing and that the safety of the student-athletes is paramount. And this, you know, as he has been furloughed for more than half of the past month and while his school was the first outside of the NESCAC to say it would not be fielding this team this fall. Yeah, well, remember that New Jersey... Everything, everything is legal in New Jersey. ...in the spring was the epicenter. And it, and it wasn't too hard to get people to realize how serious this is or this could be. And I think it's it's taken some other people in some other parts of the country a little longer to, to wrap their minds around it. You know, there are some places that are really just now uh, here in June and July starting to realize how, how much this could, um, even if it doesn't impact like you or your family directly, it can overload the, 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 the resources in your, your hometown or your home county. And uh, it can really become a problem for everyone. I think out of out of that that interview with Coach Goff, you know, the, the thing that really stands out is that there are, there are a lot of people who are going to come to that same realization that Coach Goff came to that there's rarely been a fall in their lives without football to look forward to to participate in in, in some way or another, whether it's as a player, a coach, a fan, a parent, and uh, that's weird. But at the same time, you know, this isn't new. Everything's been weird since March. For, for some people, maybe February, some people, again, really didn't wrap their minds around it right away. But 
you know, kids aren't going to school. We're, we're skipping some of our summer traditions. Um, and, and, you know, people have family members in the hospital and are, and are dealing with the, the hard side of, of um, the spread of this disease. So um, it, this is really, uh, it's weird for everyone. And I think maybe it's a little different if, if you're younger and you haven't gone through as many routine uh, years, you know, if you're like an eight-year-old or, or something. But for, for those of us who are 20, 30, 40, 50, and we've done the same thing every every August and September and October, November, December for the majority of our lives, it's going to be pretty weird. There's no doubt about it. Now with the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, joined by Jordan Gunter, a uh, coming up senior wide receiver for center. Uh, Jordan uh, uh, led the team in receptions last season, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, really appreciate it because, you know, we're in this situation right now where, you know, today the Division Three football season is still in limbo. Uh, the NCA Management Council, literally right before we started this call, said that uh, uh, that they were going to recommend canceling the championship and that by Friday that could be final. Of course, you have already known uh, for a few days that the conference at center is in. The Southern Athletic Association has said that, uh, that they were not going to be doing fall football and they were going to try to make something happen in the spring. What was your reaction first off when you, uh, when you heard that? I mean, immediately that's devastating to hear for me um you know one of the main reasons i came to center was to play football and uh, not being able to have a season off the bat is just for sure um and especially because uh there's a lot of guys that i love playing with and i really wanted to have that senior season the culmination of all the people worked for all four years and you know that was really tough knowing that even if i even if i were to come back or in the spring the, the team is not going to look the same that it would um if it did in the fall Right, because you know people are talking about spring football, and your conference especially was pretty uh, upfront about it that they were going to try to uh, make spring football happen. Now I know that you also play baseball, and that's not unusual at the Division Three level that uh, that that someone might play two sports. Uh, and football and baseball, you know, tend to be a good number of guys who overlap. If that were to happen, how would you make the decision between football and baseball this spring? Uh, well, you know, it's honestly pretty easy for me, I think, because it'd be hard for me to give up baseball, a sport that I love almost just as much as football, honestly, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and give up half or a full real season of baseball for a sort of not for real spring that would happen in a football season. So I think, honestly, it's a no brainer. You know, I'm not going to give up a, a real season in baseball and hopefully that's what it looks like now. Who knows what it's going to look like when we actually get there? But you know, as as of right now, if it was a real baseball season, you might as well. I might as well play baseball. Yeah, I mean, you guys lost about two thirds of your baseball season last year, too, right? Yeah, hundred percent. That was also a big thing. I mean, this is the second time I've had a season called off, and which is already tough. And I really want to be able to get back with that baseball team because we were really young and looking to do a lot of great things. So, you know, I mean, I'm excited just to just to play something. I'm hoping to play something. <laughs> 
I, I think we're all hoping that people get to play something at some point here. Um, let me ask. I mean, you know, there's uh, it, the NCA was pretty upfront right away uh, when these things, when cancellations started coming out, saying, "Hey, you guys can preserve your eligibility. You can get another year back if if this year doesn't happen." Uh, you know, based on what your well your life plans are or your academic schedule or anything like that is. Uh, the fall of 2021, a possibility for you, something you'd be uh, interested in doing? Well, you know, I'm just glad that they made the decision so early because that helps us, you know, have time to make these decisions. Because I know I've been talking to a lot of my friends and our plans are <laughs> all out of whack at this point. Um, personally, for me, uh, this fall is looking a little shaky. I don't think I'm going to attend in the fall. I'm not quite sure about what my plans are, but you know, I'm really trying to get that fifth year uh, as an option to play football. I'm not giving up on my football career just yet. You know, I haven't really uh, accomplished what I want to accomplish. So I think, you know, any way that I can play another real true season of football um, is going to be part of the decision for me. What are the things that you want to accomplish? What's on that list? Um, well, <laughs> some personal accomplishments for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm not too far away from the career receiving record at center. And that's one thing that I really would like to hang my hat on. Um, and then, of course, as a team, we've always been chasing an SAA championship and looking to compete for a national championship. And that is number one right there. I mean, to accomplish e either of those, uh, ideally both with, with my team would be no greater feeling. Yeah, I mean, because you know, center has been in the uh, in the conversation. They've been in the playoffs over the course of the past several years, and, and obviously, you know, the folks down at, at Barry have had a little to say about that as well. But you guys won, uh, you know, ten games just a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Especially, you know, you can't mention any of those years that I mentioned last year either, because uh, last year I think is going to put a lot of fire in the next season that we have, um, because center has this great tradition of winning. And to have a season like we did last year, I know a lot of the guys are going to agree with me, but, you know, we got to come back and we got to prove ourselves for that. You know, that's that's what our minds are set on. And to save everybody who's scrambling through uh, trying to find the win-loss record for center last year, I, I hate to say this out loud, but yeah, go yeah. Ahead. <laughs> yeah, five and five overall and, and three and five in the conference. I mean, obviously this conference has been, has been, has been getting really good and it's still a relatively new grouping of schools yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, you, you talked about, uh, you talked about lighting the fire. I, I would imagine if you're coach Fry, you don't have to do any, he doesn't have to do any other motivation for you guys after that. Oh, not at all. That season was motivation enough. I know everybody's been working their asses or I don't know if I can say that, but uh, working their asses off, you know, in the off season and just because of that. And so you're not being able to prove it this fall is going to be tough, but I know that our guys are going to come back and still work hard because you know, that meant a lot to us that um, that center that had this long winning tradition and to not to come up short um, it, it hurts. So I think we're going to have to, I think it'll help motivate us through however long this next off season is going to be. Yeah. What's it like? You talked about working hard in the off season. What's it like working out and working hard in the, in the COVID off season, especially, you know, not really having a spring practice and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been really interesting. Um, you know, the big thing that our coaches have been pushing is accountability. Um, everybody's trying to be accountable to each other, even if we're not present. Uh, so, you know, just staying in communication is one of the big things. Um, being able to see my teammates, even if it's only on zoom kind of helps, you know, it helps renew my, you know, my passion for the sport because I play because one of the reasons I play is to have so much fun with these guys. So, you know, I think being able to see my teammates often um, helps a lot. 
But other than that, you know, it's been definitely weird. You have to get creative for sure. Um, there was a point I was working in some somebody's garage. So, you know, just wherever you can find a way to get better is what you got to do, honestly. What was the spring like for you as a student then, you know, uh, getting the everybody getting sent home in the middle of the semester, finishing from home? What how did that work out for you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was really normal until it wasn't. It all happened really fast. I think uh, it kind of snuck up on everybody. I think either we didn't want to believe it or we didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, we were really hoping it wasn't going to happen, especially with baseball. But, you know, it, it the decision to send everybody home came so quick, you almost didn't have time to process it. Um, it was it was within a span of a couple of days. So uh, I know it was really hard for us to kind of wrap our heads around it at first and then really, you know, get to the idea that the rest of our semester is going to be online. And that was definitely a weird thing and an interesting thing to adjust to uh, something we've never done before. You talked about maybe that you won't enroll for the fall. Do you know, like uh, you hear from your classmates or other people pondering similar decisions? Uh, yeah, I've, you know, I think it really depends on whether they want to continue uh, their football career or if they want to uh, keep pursuing what they want to pursue as a regular career. Um, you know, a lot of people that come to center have ambitions to do a lot of other things and football is a part of what they wanted to do, but it may not be convenient or it may not be, you know, worth it to them to continue. So I think, you know, it really just depends on what the goals are and um, if they consider, you know, coming back, you know, worth it. I mean, like you were saying, right. Uh, no matter when that team gets back on the field again, it's not going to be the, the team that you expected to be this fall. Yeah. And that's really disappointing. You know, I, I love the senior class that I'm with. Um, that was one of the things I was so excited to be with was to be seniors, to be leaders uh, with these guys. I love each and every one of them to death. I mean, you know, just ha not having a fall is insane. It's I still haven't really uh, wrapped my head around it. How many uh, how many senior classmates do you have? And I suppose I should have just uh, looked that up before we even started. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have uh, 19, around 20-ish. And so how many of those guys do you think, if you were guessing, have you heard from or maybe suspect might be willing to hold off and uh, play in the fall of 2021? Um, I, I know for a fact at least uh, a couple others. So, you know, three or four have expressed interest in doing the fifth year that, you know, and there's other ways to do it other than dropping out in the fall. So that's not really a prerequisite, I think. Sure. Uh, it just really depends on what is best for everybody but um you know there's definitely been i think there's probably five guys at least for sure that are expressing interest in doing a fifth year okay so in a in a fall in which you might not be enrolled what do you do a you know academically or b work or c you know working out just to try to uh stay sharp and kind of a just kind of keep busy yeah, you know, for me, um, athletics are still really high priority for me. So um, I'm going to be definitely working out, staying in the best shape I can possibly be. Um, probably uh, more towards baseball since that'll be the next season coming up. But, you know, and in addition to that, I'll be definitely looking to work, you know, and try and build up my resume. I can't just sit here and be idle. You know, this is definitely a time where you have to do what you can. And, you know, whether it's big or small, I'm just going to try and move everything forward. Jordan Gunter, starting wide receiver and outfielder, has to basically be what you would consider a poster boy for Division Three, right? And when we talk about playing football in the spring, here's a guy who says he would rather play baseball than play a partial football season. And two sport athletes are going to have to make that choice if we have spring football. This interview underscores everything that's at stake. 
People miss seasons all the time, but this is like 100 simultaneous ACL tears. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Stop saying that! Nobody knows when they'll be able to play again or if the situation will be the same when they return. And Jordan's predicament trying to save a year of eligibility is completely understandable. But it also means that any attempts at a partial 2020 season might have resu resulted in partial teams and stars sitting out and in groups and classes broken up prematurely. And then for all the spring athletes who lost last season, imagine being unsure if there's going to be a 2021 season, like you could potentially miss last year's baseball season and this year's baseball season. Nobody knows anything for certain, and it really limits how you can process the challenges and plan to overcome them. You can't solve a problem until you fully assess what it is that you're up against, and nobody right now in D3 sports or far beyond that seems to be able to do that. Yeah. Hey, we are never going to have the 2020 players and teams and the 2020 season, whether we take the field in the spring of 21, 2021, or the fall of 2021. We're never going to be able to lift this out and replicate it somewhere else, you know, unless we do it in Madden or something. Just, can we even, we can't do that in Madden, right? There must be a college game, right? I don't do this anymore. I don't game like that anymore. Yeah, man. The college game went away a few years ago. I think they talked about bringing it back, but, um, Oh, uh, that was always fun because you could you could uh, name your team after a D three. There was no D three marks in the game, but if you named your team the Prairie Fire, they would they would uh, the announcer would say it. Prairie Fire. It was uh, it was a little one of those Easter eggs in the, in the EA Sports NCAA game. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, joined by Norm Ash, the head coach at Illinois Wesleyan University, head coach for, I'm sorry, now when we get to this point, coach, I just say umpteen uh, years <laughs> because I don't want to, you know, uh, put an age on you necessarily by saying it's uh, 37 or whatever it actually is. It's probably not. That's okay. We can put an age on it. Uh, I've, I've been at Wesleyan for 34 years. Um, I look at that not as being old, but hopefully being wiser and experience and uh, tradition and all those things. I mean, that's the way you, you buffer that and make that a little bit more uh, acceptable. Pat. There you go. Uh, obviously, you know, all the experience in the world over the course of the last century has never really prepared any coach or athletic director for what's going on in the world right now. Uh, you know, the, uh, the CCIW, as of the time we're recording this, and I'm saying like I do in one of our other interviews on this, this is Tuesday afternoon. By the time you hear it, who knows what might have happened in the interim. But as of now, the CCIW hasn't uh, said anything, uh, is not even on the list of uh, conferences that has said we only want to focus on our conference schedule. But, you know, I, I want to really ask, what's it like for you as a football coach and, you know, also having uh, a role in the administration in athletics at Illinois Wesleyan, kind of just waiting, uh, you know, to see what's going to happen because knowing that uh, – you know, decisions haven't been announced, maybe haven't been made. What's that like for you guys? Well, I think the hardest part is is the unknown. You know, uh, football coaches are uh, creatures of habit. I mean, I think football coaches have are, are very structured. Uh, they're very detailed. And that's just because of the nature of the sport, the number of, of athletes that we're dealing with all the time. So this is kind of an unknown territory territory for, uh, for head football coaches, uh, you know, dealing with this pandemic. But, you know, the one thing we shouldn't forget is, as coaches, the one thing that we have to do every Saturday is we have to adjust. You know, uh, game situations are going to change, 
And so um, I'm kind of approaching it from that same uh, kind of standpoint. You know, uh, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, once we find out what we're able to do, then we just adjust and we do the best we can. Because that's basically what we do when we get into a game situation. What are you hearing from the student athletes or maybe some of the other constituencies like fans or, you know, alumni, that sort of thing about uh, what they think the fall is going to be like? Well, I know our student athletes are, are ready to go. I mean, young people are, are different than older people in this pandemic. There's no doubt about that. We see it every day on the news. Um, I think they're a little uh, more risk taking than older people are. I mean, that's just the nature of it. Uh, I think they're tired of being at home. You've got to remember that most of uh, the student athletes went home in March. Yeah. And even though as coaches, we all did a good job of staying in contact with our student athletes. I know we did a lot of Zoom meetings and things like that, and that worked out pretty well, but it's not the same. And so, uh, you know, we haven't seen them uh, in person for a long, long time. I've had just one contact with our captains, you know, I think in, in May where um, – they came down and, you know, we social distance and so forth. And, and I got to talk to them briefly, but other than that, um, you know, it's been a long time. And uh, you got to remember too, that our, our players, even though they do a great job of, of maintaining their strength and conditioning on their own at home, I really think athletes do a pretty good job with that. It's still not the same. I mean, everybody lost their non-traditional seasons and that's so important, especially for younger players. I think every coach will tell you that freshman this year, the, the non-traditional season is so important. And so all those freshmen miss that. Uh, but, you know, again, um, kids are resilient and they're going to adjust. They're going to be ready to go. Um, I know they're looking forward to playing a season, yeah. uh, but it's not in their hands. And it's not in my hands. It's, it's in the hands of, in our case, of the CSIW would be the presence of our university. How about like incoming freshmen, your recruiting class? Do you, have you heard, are, are they generally coming in or, you know, whatever the equivalent is of coming in for Illinois Wesleyan this fall? Well, I think that's the one group that as a coach you worry about a little bit. Uh, you hope that they're anxious to get off to college. Um, I think most of the colleges are trying to bring kids on campus, which I think is good. And there's going to be a lot of restrictions and, and everybody's just is going to have to adjust to that. But uh yeah, I'm anxious to get them on campus. I'm anxious to um, be able to spend some time with them. Of course, with any freshman group, you want to um, establish standards and traditions and expectations. And I think that's really hard in a Zoom call because they are freshmen. So um, once they get on campus and once we know what the restrictions are and what we can and cannot do, I look forward to that time. Um, you know, we have a Wesley, we have a fairly large group coming in. And so uh, they're going to be a big part of our program, and and hopefully we don't lose um, the the situation that we normally have, where the upperclassmen kind of bring on the freshmen and and they kind of tell them what the traditions are and expectations are, because I think that's real important to, uh, in maintaining a really good program. Whether the CCIW takes the field this fall or maybe this spring, or you know if it's not until you know, the fall of 2021, CCIW is going to have a little bit of a different look, right? First off, you've got the defending national champ in the conference. And while everybody has known that the CCIW has been a great conference for many years, that just adds an extra level to it. But also, you know, new coaches at a couple of your conference rivals at Wheaton and at Wash U. I think you probably were already the dean of coaches in the CCIW, but now, uh, you know, what's it, uh, what are you looking forward to or what are you expecting to see with, uh, you know, so many new things coming in the conference? Well, you're, you're right. Um, 
this past spring, we were supposed to have a, a CCIW football coaches meeting, and we did that online too, a Zoom call. And usually we do that in person. And so I was looking forward to meeting the new coaches and talking with them a little bit. We didn't get a chance to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. We've always said that, that the CCIW is a very strong co conference. Um, I used to say, you know, uh, in talking with uh, prospective student athletes that we're in the top three division three conference in the country. This year we can say we're the top one. I mean, North Central won it. And, uh, you know, I'm not, this is no disrespect to North Central because they did a great job and they're national champs. They have a great program. Coach Thorne does a great job, but you got you got to think about it. They weren't even the conference champions in our conference. Right. So they were second place. Wheaton was first place. Uh, we were third place. And so, that just tells you that, that kind of tells you just how competitive our conference is. And uh, right now, I mean, top to bottom, I mean, you got to play every week in the Seaside W and there's great coaching going on. And I think the new coaches are going to be great additions to, uh, to the, the league. So look forward to competing against them. Hopefully we get a chance to complete compete against those new coaches. I have always thought too that those coaches meetings are generally followed by a, a, a golf outing of some sort. Is that uh, is that ca the case with you guys as well? I would think too that golf is a perfectly uh, social distance type sport that you could still participate in. Well, you know, being the 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 the, the, the veteran coach in the Seaside W, I'm going to tell you a really funny, funny story. When I came in the league, I was 32 years old, and I got baptized pretty good. You you had Bob Reed at Augustana, you had J.R. Bishop at Wheaton, you had uh, um, oh, uh, thinking of Millie and uh, Carl Pelker. And those are some really great coaches, older coaches. And I was this brash, young 32-year-old coach. And so one of the things I try to get started was, hey, I think, you know, we're, we're competing all the time on the field and recruiting. You know, we should get together and play golf. It never got to first base. I mean, it just never got to first base. And so uh, I don't know what it was, but, you know, those older coaches just didn't want to I don't be around the other coaches. I don't know, but it, I agree with you. I think that'd be good. I think uh, there should be uh, a display of sportsmanship between the coaches, especially for the games. Um, I was one that I kind of asked our league that I think it's good for the kids to see the two coaches meet before the game, shake hands and talk a little bit. I wanted to make that a requirement that that didn't get done <laughs> in the CCIW. So, I mean, some of the ideas by golf outing didn't go over and uh, shaking the hands before the game didn't go over. So, but uh Again, don't lose track of the fact that the CCIW is a great league and uh, there's some great coaching and, and great athletes in our league. When when you guys take the field again and, and let's, you know, present pretend you have the same kids that you're expecting to come back. What uh, you know, what do we see from the Titans uh, next time you guys take the field? You know, in 2017, 2018, North Central and Illinois Wesleyan tie for the league. Uh, this year, Wheaton won the league. Um those three teams have been up towards the top, but I mean, I, I'm not saying that the other teams are not good. I mean, uh, um, Augustana had a really good run this year. They did a great job and Carthage has been up there and Milliken had a great quarterback and two receivers. Uh, of course, uh, Larry Kimbaum at WashU always put on a, a, put out a very quality team and he's a veteran coach like myself. And so, um, th there's, there's anybody that, that can win the conference. Uh, you got to get started on the right foot. Uh, we didn't this year, but not like the previous years. And so that hurt us a little bit. And we had some injuries that really slowed us down. Um, we lost Brandon Bauer after the fourth game, and he was a four-year starter for us. And in our league, you have to have what I call a trigger guy. you got to have that quarterback. And North Central had it. And uh, uh, 
uh, he's been a great one uh, during his tenure up North Central. And then uh, Wheaton got a transfer. I think he re- ran their team really well. So uh, that's the one thing that, that we're still working on. I think we have a lot of talent coming back. Um, we have eight stars on offense coming back, and we have seven stars on defense. So that's a good nucleus for our league. Of course, on offense, we have all five offensive uh, linemen coming back with two all-conference. So that's a good place to start. But, again, we got to find that quarterback, um, and that's what we're working on right now. So, you know, we always have high expectations at Wesleyan, just like the other teams in our league do. I mean, we talk to our kids about winning the conference. If you win the conference, everything is taken care of. You know, you'll get a playoff bid and, and do well in the playoffs. So. Right after we got off this call on Tuesday afternoon is when the NCAA sent down its word that the management council was rep- recommending that the championships get canceled. So the CCIW hasn't made its announcement yet, but we can kind of see it coming. Dealing with the unknown, you have to adjust and, and do the best we can. You know how they say football teaches life lessons? This is a pretty good one from Coach Esh and his squad. Regarding the CCIW, finally the conference gets to wear the crown, and I had North Central and Wheaton ranked first and second. And now we won't get to see what D3 looks like with the Cardinals defending and Mount Union and Wisconsin Whitewater playing the role of hunter instead of hunted. You know, imagine fall of 21, like we talked with uh, Coach Thorne from North Central a couple of podcasts ago, you know, during when spring practice would have been taking place. And he had, you know, this bunch of quarterbacks coming in and didn't get a chance to see any of them on the field at any point. And we thought, you know, they're going to have a, a, a uh, only the fall camp in order to figure that out. Now they may have a you know full spring practice or spring games of some sort that you know count or don't count or aren't really part of a season or who even knows what might happen and you get a chance to actually uh, make up for some of that spring of 2020 that didn't exist anyway. Well, just imagine too, if the, whenever the, the next season takes place, half the, the, the role of a coach who excels is going to be bringing back the the squad that you had or as much of it as possible, uh, convincing people to, to come back to college after they skip the semester, convincing people to uh, play positions that they, you know, if, you know, in, in all frankness, you will, ha- you will have sent a workout home with, with your team and some people will do it a hundred percent. Some people will do it 50%. Some people won't do it at all. So getting that team back on campus and seeing who, who can really play, who got better, who's the same, who's worse, who can get back up to speed quickly. There's going to be so many variables, and I guess the only evening factor is that everyone's going to be dealing with all with, with these variables. But, um, you know, a couple of key players don't come back for, say, a North Central, and suddenly the, the number one ranked team is, is maybe not um, ever able to defend it, its championship with, with that roster that it was bringing back. And it was really uh, – you know, except for for Brock Rutter and a, and a couple of linebackers and tight ends, it, it was basically the national championship team coming back. A couple of linemen too. Now's the time on Sprockets where we dance. Now is the time of the podcast where we dive into Twitter. We know you have questions. Hey, we've all got questions right now. Uh, so we throw out that reminder on the tweet box to hit us up when it's time for uh, Keith and for me to step into the studio. So we put that out there. We've got a couple of good, really interesting questions that uh, I think are going to be the things we're going to be, some of the things anyway, we're going to be thinking about going forward. Ron Berger, who's at uh, R-B-O-E-R-G-E-R. I pronounced your name correctly this time, sir. Asking, over under on D3 teams that will play at least one game this season. Great question. And I'm going to, uh, you know, conjoin that with 
One from Ron Reed, who's at uh, ReedRxR22, who asks, what's the chances of some schools playing games in the fall and spring? Um, and I don't know. You know, it's a great question. If they cancel the fall championships like we expect them to do here coming up in a bit, I don't know the incentive to play in the fall. But then again, here's the thing. Uh there's no reason not to. You don't use a year of eligibility uh, unless they play, you know, more than a handful of games. And I don't think anybody's going to play more than five because there's no championship to qualify for. I think that we're going to have uh, probably a noticeable number of schools playing some games in the fall, some games in the spring, um, maybe starting in the fall and things get, have to get shut down and they come back in the spring or something like that. But I, I think I think games will be played in the 2020-21 academic calendar. Well, to define this season, um, I guess you could you can go all the way into the spring. But if the question is, what's the over-under on teams that will play one game this fall? Yeah. Uh, I think the only place you, you set the over under is one. And then <laughs> that's up to people. That's up to the people out there to decide, will there be games played or will no games be played? Because I, I think the way it's trending, as you mentioned, there's, there's really, what's the incentive to play. And as, as much as we talk about on these podcasts over the years, the D three ideals, right? We're playing for the love of the game. We're playing for the fun of it. Um, when you take away conference championships, uh, national championship, ac- certain accolades, um, certain rivalries that that will be played and certain rivalries that won't be played, um, full schedules, it really does call into question what is the point of doing this with the the major thing hanging over all of it is, am I putting my safety at risk? If, if I'm a, a lineman and I have to touch other people the entire game um but do i want to do that for a for a three game season what if what if uh what if wabash says we don't we don't want to play any games except depaul or uh randolph make it says we'll 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 play one game this year because we don't want to skip the the hampton sydney game or you know whatever the, the case may be and i'm not saying anybody's that's that's just me throwing that out there um you as a player have to decide like is it worth it for me um you know, we, we talked to, to somebody earlier in the podcast who, who, who said, I got no interest in playing a, a half a season if the alternative is I can play a full season of baseball. So everybody's going to have to make these different calculations and they're, and they're going to be different for, uh, for each individual player and feel like the teams that have the most success are going to be the teams that um, either postpone entire years and are able to bring back groups mostly intact. Um, I, I feel like trying to do something partial emotionally, um, aesthetically, se- sentimentally, sentimentally feels like the right thing to do to, to play some games in the fall because it's football season, because this is what we always do. Um, but the incentive to play partial seasons um, to, you know, to ch- travel and, and I, I just, I just think people are going to come to the calculation if their whole team isn't together to play a full season, that may that this is maybe not what they want to do. I saw Greg Debelak post on Twitter now back probably a couple weeks ago. Uh, Carnegie Mellon and Case Western Reserve both on the same day announced that they were not going to be doing fall schedules. Uh, but I saw him throw out the possibility of, yeah, wouldn't it be cool to meet 
Carnegie Mellon for the Academic Bowl Book of Knowledge Academic Bowl Baird Brothers Trophy. I know it's not the Baird Brothers Trophy. Um, in the spring. And I, you know, I would be all for that. I would love to see some of these games, uh, some of those rivalry games could happen in the spring. It doesn't cost someone a year of eligibility. The interesting thing, of course, is that, you know, what is the practice that runs up to that? You know, you've got uh, three weeks worth of practice and then you just play a couple of games. I, I don't know how that all works out, uh, but I suspect there will be there will be people who will try. If you leave it up to coaches, uh, you know, coaches are going to want to play. Uh, coaches are going to want to get their teams on the field. Uh, so if it's able to be done within the restrictions from the institution, from the local municipality, from the state, et cetera, and it's safe, I suspect we'll see some. I just don't know if it will be, you know, if I might set that. No, the over-under has to be where Keith said it. Uh, I could see maybe there being a dozen type games somehow. Yeah, then then you just take the over. I, I think a thing we haven't factored in until you mentioned it right there, Pat, too, is the the power um, that coaches may have, or that you know booster groups or or players themselves may have uh, to participate in, in things outside the system, especially if they're not um, fully on board with what the college assessment of the danger is. Uh, I'm hoping I'm I'm like clearly articulating that like if there are people who just don't think uh this is a threat to their players or whatever you know i don't believe 20 year olds can get it or like whatever kind of thing that they believe in it this business will get out of control it'll get out of control and we'll be lucky to live through you know what it is it's one great big unknown and I, i think that's the hardest part everybody's uh having to deal with because we're all as um whether it's as leaders in our own you know, jobs and, and families or as coaches and players, uh, leaders within, within teams construct, um, we're all used to assessing a problem, figuring out how to, how to go after and attack it. And, and right now we're just missing the, the, the ability to fully assess and then plan for, for whatever it is. You see uh, Hampton, Sydney and Randolph Macon playing seven on seven in the spring. I mean, I'd I'd watch that on Twitch online. Yeah, I was gonna, I was trying to figure out what uh, what it would be and uh, huddle. I don't know who would host that. Um, <laughs> kind of reminds me. Remember, there was like in March, you you would get on a call with somebody, uh, a video call, and uh, you know people like didn't know how to do do Zoom, yeah. or some people were doing like different, you know, like Skype and WebEx or all these other different. Uh, ways to to video call um, and like people didn't know like basic um, etiquette like shut the mic off if you're chewing or if you know <laughs> if you got kids yelling in the background mute yourself like everybody's a pro at this now so it, there is something to be said for the the human ability to adapt to uh, to any condition we could you know we'll whatever comes down the pike next we'll uh, we'll figure it out. To his, send us a Twitter question for the podcast just hit us up at at D three football use the D three FB hashtag. That, uh, of course, and, you know, asking something unique is always a good way to get on to the podcast. You do not have to be named Ron to get your question picked, by the way. Every thought of yours is a friend of mine. All right, Pat, so this is a little off the, the beaten path, but 
Uh, this is every thought of, of yours, every thought of mine. Wait, is it um, ev- is it every thought of yours or is it off the beaten path? Oh wow, that is a super callback to uh, to earlier podcast. We're going to skip all that this season, Pat. We're not going to do any any of our familiar categories. Your categories have become tiresome. Off the beaten path is always my favorite, and we can talk about like a random fifty six forty eight FDU Florham William Patterson game or something like that. Um, all right, so I want to ask you about this show, The Leftovers. Have you ever heard of it? I cannot say that I have. It was uh, it was on HBO. It was a popular. I don't know a few years ago. It was the the showrunner was the guy from Lost, so he had um, so it kind of has that same ethos, I guess. Um, the premise, I love the premise. I, honestly, I thought the show was like up there with you know like a cut like a cut below or a tier below like The Wire, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, right? I thought it was like right below that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the premise was this: one day, um, un- unexplained events, two percent of the world's population just vanishes. It was completely random. There's no uh, explanation for it. Um, and so the, the story is about the leftovers, what the rest of the 98% of people do. It gets a little into like, you know, wackiness, supernatural in the mind or whatever. But uh, it's always r- reminded me like this, this is like that in the sense that something completely unexpected has happened um, to I mean, even if you break down the, the the math, right? They were saying initially, like eighty percent of people will catch the virus, uh, have no reaction. Of the twenty percent of people that get it, um, you know, eighteen percent will get sick and and recover, and then two percent will will uh, will die. And so, like, even just the the, the matching of the two percent was really um, strange to me. But the thing that that really resonates and it seems like really real is like this could be to- this could be worse. But it's it's the the whole like the, the I guess the human condition like how we how we figure out how to deal with the unknown, and like as we've talked about through this podcast, it's a lot of s- small unknowns that you know we can all survive through. Like how are we going to get by in September without football? Like we'll all figure it out. We'll live. Um, but it's but th- this overarching theme of just people not knowing how to deal with the unknown is really fascinating to me. It's deep, man. I guess I need to go watch that show. I, you know, I came into quarantine like everybody else with this grand idea. It's like, oh, here's all this media that I haven't watched that I'm going to catch up on. Yep. And I suppose I can do some of that in the fall. Um, you mentioned The Wire, which I have not watched. I know as a journalist who, you know, had some passing familiarity with Baltimore, you would think that I would have been all over that. But I just... We have gone many, many years without uh, paying money to HBO, and uh, so we've missed a lot of things. Um, and it sounds like that's another thing that's on that list. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would recommend it, especially if you're one of those people who, who've done a lot of the really popular shows. Um, I heard enough people mention Ozark that I like finally started it a couple months ago. I got through the first season, I loved it, and then for whatever reason, I haven't started the second season, which, uh, which I also did with that show Narcos too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I really liked it, but for me, like a season of a show is a is a commitment because I know once I start it, I want to like watch like four episodes a night, and so I find myself like a lot of nights I'll cook, I'll listen to music, and it'll be like eleven thirty, and then I'll be like, eh, it's too late to start something, and I'll either watch like a stand up special. This is in the beginning of quarantine. I just watched every stand up special they had on Netflix because 
if you fall asleep in the middle of stand up, you know, you're like, ah, 20 minutes in, you know, I can just pick it up tomorrow. Sure. But like for some reason, a, a good drama, I have to like be all over like the dialogue and the, and the setup and how, you know, how everything fits into this big frame. Um, here's a show that I know if, if you're that you went back and watched Now you didn't have to have an HBO subscription for this one, but you did have to have a subscription. You you watched that the, the Hamilton live movie. Yes, I uh, I have to admit, um, was it July third was the day that uh, the Hamilton film dropped on Disney Plus, and I did subscribe to Disney Plus for a month starting that day. Um, my uh, youngest daughter and I uh, sat down and watched it uh, that afternoon. She still knows every word, even though you know Hamilton has not been everyday listening in our house for about uh, three years now, and it just amazes me how she flies through all of that stuff. Um, you know, everything that uh, David Diggs does, the Lafayette character, amazing. It is really good on film. I get a completely different uh, picture of Aaron Burr's character in the course of that. He has obviously always been sung really well by Leslie Odom Jr., but it's acted super well. And I only recently realized that, uh, you know, who Chris Jackson was, who plays George Washington. Are we are we getting into Hamilton cast next? Is that what we're going to do for the fall? Look, you tune into this podcast, you get a, get some D3 football, you get whatever else. Uh, you never know what it's going to be. Hey, the whole theme is is dealing with the unknown, right? Um, this is how clueless I am. Everything you just said was was basically Greek to me. Oh, I, I hate, I don't say hate musicals, but I do not take an interest in musicals. One time I had a, a, a bar bet with a friend back when you're allowed to go to bars. Um, it was whether he... He could name more members of Wu Tang, or I could name more musicals, and it was like close. There, there's, there's like, there's like ten core members of, of Wu Tang. So yeah. I think I got to like eight, eight or nine musicals, and I was like, oh boy, I'm struggling. Um, you know, it was like Rent, Les Mis, yeah. Um, Cats, yeah. and then I was like, uh, Lion King. You know, like stuff that's like not really popular for being a musical, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm cheating. The only musical I like is, is, um, is Hairspray, but. Um, this is how clueless I am. Until like a week ago when I saw people tweeting about the Hamilton thing, I thought David Diggs was the brother uh, on Blackish. Like he, I think he was probably so good in Hamilton that they just wrote a character for him on this show because he kind of just pops in and pops out. Uh-huh. Um, but I was like, oh, that's the dude from Blackish. So uh, it, it's always weird where you're like, uh, some huge pop culture phenomenon is happening and you're just totally clueless to it. Hello. That was a stop sign. I totally paused. If you're, uh, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're of a certain age, uh, you know, you had to have seen Clueless, even if you, uh, if you can't quote it necessarily. But yeah, Wu Tang and Mean Girls and Clueless, we got all and Hamilton, we got all in the same you know, discussion. We're all over the board. All right, I got one other every thought uh, for you. That music bed has to get a lot longer for this show. <laughs> well, this one's quick. Um, because it's D3 related. I was putting in vacation requests today and I was, uh, as is habit, trying to take off those like middle two weekends in December for the semifinals. And uh, that Friday, you know, the, the, we head down to the Stag Bowl. And uh, I was like, wow, we're going, to, we're going to Canton this year. And then of course, uh, by the time we recorded this podcast, not only was it not necessary to, or, or won't be necessary to, um, to have that weekend off, it will. Uh, we won't get a chance to, to see the first Stag Bowl in Canton. 
Not this year, that's for sure. Man, I tell you, I have so much more vacation time to play with in 2020 than I ever, uh, than I have had in years. Uh, you know, four or five days of vacation time I didn't spend at the D3 Baseball World Series. A couple of days I didn't spend at the D3 Final Four. Um, you know, now, I, and here's the thing. I don't have anywhere to go. Where are we going to spend vacation uh, if, time? Where am I going to go? Yeah, if you didn't say that, I was going to say it. Like, what are you going to do with your vacation time? Uh, although I feel like as a person who lives in Minnesota, there's got to be one of those 10,000 lakes that you can go to that you can socially distance at and like get in the water and swim with your kids. That's probably what it's going to have to be. And that was uh, D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast number 276, released on July 22nd of 2020. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye out for the rest of our coverage throughout the offseason, which is something I say at the end of every offseason podcast, except now it's a longer offseason. Hey, I'm going to say this. We'll still do a preseason All-America team. And if you've gotten 70-some minutes into this podcast, you deserve this little Easter egg of a bonus information so we'll do we'll still do an all-america team for 2020 uh without a season i don't foresee us doing a preseason top 25 or you know maybe any top 25 be interesting to see what the spring looks like if enough teams play you know maybe we'll rank some number of them so keep an eye out for that if if you really need uh, if you're a listener and you really need a top 25 just to wonder what this year would have looked like right I'm just saying there may be a Street and Smith's magazine at a at a magazine shop near you that has a certain top 25 in it that you might be interested in. I don't know. If you were listening earlier, you already know who number one and number two are in that poll. If you like this podcast, please consider rating it in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get podcasts because that will help other football fans find it. And you can leave comments for us on the blog page. You can also reach us to talk more about Division Three football on Twitter. You use that D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football and Keith is at D3Keith. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports. Did you know? Yeah, it's still there. Join the conversation by registering to post at D3Boards.com. Also, you can follow D3Football.com on Facebook as well. I got to be honest with people, uh, in, a, in a scenario where we don't have football in the fall and maybe we don't have football in the spring, there is a significant uh, possibility. Here's the other Easter egg here in the uh, 79th minute or so of this podcast is that, you know, we're probably going to have to put out a GoFundMe in order to keep the lights on. I can, you know, cut back a lot of costs, but we still have to pay to keep the server running. And that's an important thing. That's what a website runs on. So, you know, just just so you know, um, we're not uh, we're not happy about this season going away because d3football.com and the rest of d3sports.com is in danger because of that as well anyway executive producer of the podcast is pat coleman that's me production assistance provided by dave McHugh. our theme music and a lot of the other music provided or used in this podcast is by dj mentos and you can find him at djmentos.com as well as on spotify I have to get some of him on my running playlist. Thanks to our guests, Casey Goff, Jordan Gunter, and Norm Esch, and Sports Information Directors Kyle Piercy and Katie Gonzalez for their time on this edition of our show. And, of course, thanks to the creator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com and my co-host, Keith McMillan. So you can find a new podcast in this feed from us each month and follow us on D3Football.com. Hey, if you're really hanging around for Easter eggs, you know, part of that, um, you know, where our, our – missing funds is going to come from is if there's no season there's no there's no kickoff edition and that's always been a big 
not just a big project for us and a big way to kick off the season for the diehard fans, but um, but also a driver of uh, of a little bit of revenue for the to help us keep things going through the season. So we'll yeah. miss it. There'll be a time to uh, to look at all this stuff and to reflect, but now's not the time. 